Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello everyone and welcome to After The Act, a film podcast where we talk about shows and movies that we've watched. We are your hosts, I am Randy, here with... Bonnie's Trash. And we are going to be talking about Toy Story 4 today. Um, Definitely excited, probably one of my most anticipated movies of the year. Um, And we are going to first talk about our overall thoughts without getting to spoilers, and then we'll dive right into spoilers. So, Bonnie's Trash, your thoughts on Toy Story 4. This was actually my favorite Toy Story movie, hands down. Wow. Uh, Actually, I I would say not because the other films are bad. I feel like Toy Story just does such a good job of presenting each film in a way that it tackles a unique uh, element that sets it aside from all of the other ones. But this particular film, it really resonated with me. So the idea of moving on from past relationships to new relationships is something that, as an adult now, I'm beginning to explore more of. And for me, that resonated a little bit more uh, than the other three films. So for me, this was my favorite one. Uh, and I have to say, just on the short and short, Key and Peele's addition to those two stuffed animal characters really just set up some great dark jokes and some dark humor that I really enjoyed. Uh, but we'll get more into that in the spoilery section. But in terms of just me being worried that this fourth film wasn't going to be able to offer much to an already perfect trilogy, um, I was pleasantly surprised. And uh, honestly, this was just was a good film. It, it added something new to a pair of films I thought didn't need anything new to. So, yeah, I enjoyed it. What about you? Yeah, I'm with you, man. I really enjoyed this. Um, I was very much anticipating this movie, but I was also so worried that it would be a redundant entry, the first failure of a Toy Story movie. And it wasn't that. I think it was a lot of question of does this movie justify its existence um, since everyone felt Toy Story 3 was a perfect send off for this franchise. It definitely does. Um, there are some heavy themes that I think all the movies always explore, but they always find a different way to explore another aspect of a theme. And they do it pretty well here. We, we learn a lot about characters that we might not have seen for a while in toy story. And we learn where journeys can go even after the departure from Andy in toy story three movie was incredibly funny, very touching. um, Definitely caught a couple of tears or so at the end. And, this movie definitely justifies itself to exist. And I'm not sure if a Toy Story 5 will be on the scopes, but I'm sure when I'm 37 or 38 and they announced Toy Story 5, um, while I was hesitant when they announced this one at first, knowing what they did after we all thought they were done at Toy Story 3 with a Toy Story 4, I'll probably be excited about a Toy Story 5 in a decade or so. Um, so definitely enjoy the film. Everyone needs to see it. And I think that does it for the intro. So 
we'll just hop right into spoilers for Toy Story 4 starting now. And I have to say, my favorite character, which wasn't surprising because I love Tony Hale as an actor, is Forky. Um, any character that expresses such existential dread is something I can definitely relate to, not knowing your purpose in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's something they explored with Buzz in the first one when he thought his literal lore built into his programming was the truth, and then he found out he was a toy. He couldn't handle that at first. He learned his purpose. Um, Woody learned who he was in the second one and what that could mean to whether he wants to be a toy or displayed in a museum. Um, this one did something similar where Forky was literally created by the god Bonnie and doesn't think he should exist. You know, like he literally just wants to go back to trash because that's comforting and that's who he feels like he belongs with. So uh, already just that notion of that character existing already made this movie great. <laughs> I agree. They tackle such strange, like it's just darker adult concepts in this one. Like you said, existential crisis, the concept of life and death, all things we begin to think about as we get older are tackled in this film. And for me, that just made it, that just made it truly resonate. Uh, and which, and like I said, that's an advantage because I think the first Toy Story came out in what, 1997, 96, like something, something like that. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And then the um, the second movie came out like 2001, 2002. And then the third one came out, I believe, 2012 or 13. 2010. Uh, and then you got this one in 2019. So they've done a great job of using that franchise to just hit different generations. Um, even the people who started with Toy Story 1, as they get older, they'll find things throughout those other films as they were growing up to really resonate with them. So that's one of the strengths that Toy Story has always had as a franchise. And uh, it keeps going. They, they still found a way to keep themselves relevant with uh, the story of Woody and, uh, and friends. Yeah, absolutely. And, man, they just do a really, like, the one of my favorite scenes was when Woody and, uh, was it Forky? Yeah, Forky. They were just yep. walking down a road after Forky jumped out of the vehicle to be with the trash he's comforting with. And Woody just explaining to Forky the concept of having a purpose and what that means for people who you are responsible for and part of their happiness. And Forky just relates with like, oh, I'm really comfortable with trash. But Bonnie, uh, her friendship with me is like me with trash. And then he realizes, oh, that's that's a beautiful thing. I can offer someone else comfort. Um because they see me as their trash. That's awesome. And I love that little revelation of just like, oh, my purpose, you know, is to get out of my comfort zone to be someone else's comfort zone. I think that's pretty cool of this like childlike creature learning what his purpose is and Woody playing that father figure of trying to guide the way of like, you got to move on to what uh, you got to move past what you're scared of and be there for someone because that's who he was for Andy. He was always there for Andy. But that set up a great journey for Woody and explaining like he already had that journey. He had a very fulfilling um, relationship with his kid, Andy. And we learned that Woody's existence was really privileged. Him and his group of toys had a privileged life of being in a house and being consistently with a singular kid or so 
And even after Andy left, being transferred to another loving kid, they had a super privileged life. We got a glimpse of that in the first Toy Story where we saw what Sid did to his toys, which might not have been so different to how I play with my toys. I'm a really rough handler with toys as a toddler, but they had a loving home. And then they were introduced to the lost toys who would just be happy if someone won them off of a carnival thing. Um, So it was really interesting seeing Forky's new acceptance into what was Woody's beginning, being there for a child, but then Woody grappling with, well, I'm telling these stories of what already happened. I have already had those moments. And right now my whole purpose is to make sure Forky is there for someone, but what do I do after that? So I really like how they started that theme off of Andy's Toy Story 3 ending was I need to move on, live my life. But now we, we're starting to see that in this movie with uh, Woody. Yeah, and one thing I was, uh, I know you mentioned Bonnie being the god earlier. To be fair, man, Woody's kind of like the disciple because he's the he's the one who gathered all the garbage materials for her to make Forky in the first place, which I thought was, was interesting yeah. uh, because it also had elements of him nurturing an infant. There were several instances where Forky was like can you hold me he's like no and he's just like trying to escape and run into the trash and Woody intercepts him every time and throws him back to Bonnie so he had that whole struggle of what does it feel like to be a father as well which can resonate with a lot of audiences as well who are going through their kids you know growing up and them trying to put them in the best position possible to be happy and live fulfilled fulfilled lives. So that was also something I thought was pretty cool um, to give to Woody as a character. Yeah. It, yeah, it had very heavy themes of parenthood, definitely coming from Woody's perspective. Um, I thought that was a beautiful thing to introduce in a, chill, a children's movie. They know parents are going to be involved, and it kind of gave Woody as a sur- surrogate parent um, some goals there that can actually live outside of your kid's existence. Completely agree. And, you know, look at the flip side of that. They, like you said, were very privileged. They grew up in a household with not just one household, two households with kids who actually took care of their toys very well. Even in that intro sequence where uh, Woody is in the rain saving RC, which, by the way, I'm kind of wondering what whatever happened to RC. Do they ever mention him disappearing or breaking down or something? But he's rescuing RC in the rain and then... He's able to rescue with the help of Bo Peep and the Slinky Dog, which again I don't see. I I don't remember seeing him in this film. I wonder what happened to him as well. He slinks in it. Um, he might be in it. Yeah, he he saves RC, but then the little sister, I forget her name, she gets rid of Bo Peep and her sheep uh, because they were part of a lamp. And then as she's being put in a box, Woody goes and tries to rescue her, but she's like, "No, it's okay." Um, you don't need to save me. You know, this is part of life. Um, like just that whole sequence was fantastic because again, it deals with having to let go and the difficulties of moving on, uh, from old connections that we may have made in our lives. So it kind of takes in the first few minutes of the film, the happy go lucky tone of the toys being happy and living good lives and flipping it on its head to, well, everything comes to an end. Uh, like Tony Stark said, part of the journey is, is the ending. So they really did a good job of tackling that subject matter. And just look at the flip side. I mean, we know another toy who grew up in a not-so-nice household. 
he ended up becoming a murdering psychopath <laughs> looking at you chucky so yeah very fortunate um with their origins but uh i love the direction they took it they were like yep uh they may have been fortunate but there's you know just because it's not the their perfect idea of what a toy's purpose should be doesn't mean there's other there's not other good possibilities out there you just have to put yourself in those positions and explore them exactly like this film is very much all about purpose whether if if it's a a perspective of parenthood or someone who's just reaching a new stage of their life we saw that with andy he had a hard time giving up woody who represented his childhood but he realized the next generation can benefit from this and i have the rest of my life to live and i can't hold on to this without moving on and they gave that to Woody. Um, I realized in this last movie, it's always been about Woody. It's always been about Woody's journey. Um, a criticism I kind of had was that I definitely wanted more Buzz Lightyear. I know we both talked about this. There was it was a little lacking yeah. in Buzz, and th- yep. they gave him fun things to do. He you know he had a good comic thing of realizing what a consciousness is, and kind of having you know serendipitous moments of his original voice commands actually giving him good advice um to do the next thing but toy story one was definitely about woody and then the foil of the new hottest toy buzz lightyear and how can woody still survive in this environment being andy's favorite toy while a new toy is there and he realized acceptance like oh this is good andy is more happy that we're all here with him and we can all work together to provide andy the best childhood in toy story 2 woody realized that he had a whole lore, not so dissimilar to Buzz, that could provide him to be top shelf again to thousands who can look at him. But he realized that ultimately bringing a joy to that one singular child who he's been with for all along is the way to go. And Buzz there took a kind of a backseat and we got introduced to Jesse. We saw her very emotional journey of what it means to be a toy that was given up and forgotten about for years and it's her acceptance of even though that's always a risk, it's still worth it even for one night of, of playing with a child. So that was beautiful. And it's, it's again, it shifted away from Buzz. It focused on Woody and Jesse. And Toy Story 3 kind of was more of like the Woody, Andy kind of plot line. And this one followed a similar premise where it is about Woody. It's about Woody's journey. And like I mentioned before, Andy's journey was has ended in Toy Story 3. And Woody need to find, needs to find what happens when the end comes and I love where they take it ultimately, him realizing that his job has already been fulfilled. He had the privileged life. He got to play with Andy, see him grow up. And he got he had some moments with Bonnie and all of his toy friends. And he through interactions you see throughout this movie, he realized he already had the life and he can do what he wants now. He already served his purpose. Other toys are going to be there for Bonnie. He can be there for other toys. He can be there with his lost loved one. Um, He can just live his life kind of like in retirement and do what he wants. And I thought that journey from, I I helped Bonnie create this new life with Forky by being her right hand and providing her materials and gave him a purpose. And now I gave myself a new purpose, which is a beautiful thing. Absolutely. And, um, you just touched on this. I just want to elaborate a little bit more. That whole journey of Woody at the end, you know, fulfilling his purpose and then doing the things he wants to do. It's really just a great comparison for how we growing up as males or females or whatever it may be. We grew up with our family. 
and we serve a certain purpose with that family, but then we, we move on. We want to get married. We want to go on adventures. We want to find ourselves. And that's exactly what this movie was about as well. It was just one big uh, allegory for that, which was Woody can now go and not necessarily do the things he always wanted to do because, you know, he was very happy being a toy for the, the Bonnie and, um, and, and, and his previous owner. What was it? Andy. Yeah. And also that's just hilarious that Andy was both the name of the owner in toy story and child's play. I just yeah, realized that good connection there. A crossover event. Yeah, man. There's some weird, uh, multiverse things I can totally see happening in the future with that. <laughs> I like it. But but yeah, it's uh is he he like you said, he went into retirement. He raised a kid which was Forky. He uh, helped his two owners out, uh Bonnie with school and getting adjusted to growing up and then Andy with the same thing. Um and now he just wants to he wants to go on those adventures with his wifey, man. Just let just let him do that. Yeah, his boot thing uh, bow. Um, and yeah, I, I think you hit it right on the head. That's uh, exactly what the allegory is going for. And whether you interpret it, interpret Woody's journey as like a parent who's retiring or not, I even took solace in what was happening because, like, at this point in our lives, we've all done a version of this. When I left my hometown, you know, in Rochester, New York, to pursue my career goals and expand in my universe, it, it was very conflicting. We saw that with Woody. When does does he choose to stay with his toy gang and see Bonnie through her life again, like he did with Andy, or does he take this new journey and see where this what this world can offer? That's exactly what I face. With I'm really comfortable in my hometown with the friends I have, but there are other things out there that I haven't explored yet. And I had I lived a very fulfilled life here, and I want to let go. And it was you know definitely at the time the hardest thing I had to do was to literally move on to where I was but that's something we can all relate to moving on to something that's totally new could be frightening and you know very heavy on the heart to let go of even people in your lives that you thought would never not be there right by your side but you find a new purpose there's always something else you can do and Woody is happy to actually choose to do something else knowing that his friends are there to serve their purpose in helping out with something he was just a part of. I thought that was a great thing to add at the end there. Definitely something that got to me um, in terms of uh, tear counts. Got one right there. To infinity and beyond, man. To infinity and beyond. Yeah. And, I, you know, I thought they did very ambitious things in the middle of the movie, introducing um, Gabby Gabby and her uh, goat or Goosebumps level uh, minions. Um, speaking oh, of, like, oh, hold a, up, summer, hold up. Yeah, a summer filled with killer dolls, that was some scary shit. The seeing those puppets is running for Woody and friends. That was fucking scary. So are you saying are you saying we're finally approaching the dark humor portion of this podcast? Because I've been waiting for this. I mean, they get dark as fuck. Yeah, we'll, we'll jump into it. We, like we we've pretty much explained the the main um, themes I thought Toy Story was going for. In the middle of this part that we're about to talk about is it definitely helps add more weight to what they eventually learn. But man, like as soon as you saw these freaky fucking dolls, you knew there were, there was some some sinister shit going on, and they introduced it pretty fast with the whole like it sounded like a horror video game. Just the voice that um, Gabby Gabby had, um, voiced by Christina Hendricks, who was great in Mad Men, but just the whole like, oh, you have a voice box. I, I, 
seems like it could be just like mine. You know, maybe you can give me your voice box. Like, Jesus Christ, like, okay, we're getting to that portion of like some Jeepers Creepers level stuff of like, I I want your body parts. (laughs) I want your organs, Woody. That's what I want. (laughs) Yeah. Make me beautiful again, Woody. Make me whole. Give me your voice. I just want to be loved. And that's what I like about this villain. A lot of other villains like Sid, just a stupid kid. Um, or even like in Toy Story three, the uh, that bear, or Toy Story two, the the inspector, the um, prospector. Yeah. yeah, I like the inspector the most out of those three I just mentioned because his purpose was like, hey, he doesn't want to not be viewed on this pedestal, and he can't do that with the complete set. So we get his journey and whatnot. But I really liked her villain, her as a villain, because she just wants what Woody already had in his privileged life to be loved by a kid, and she saw a kid that seemed like a lovely fit. And she just wants to be perfect so that she can be played with. That's all she wanted. And at this point, she's just like she was made in the 1950s. She's been waiting for this for decades. And that's all she wants. And the way she wants to get to it is really fucked up. But at least we understand her her pathos, what she wants in life just happens to involve uh, the quote unquote organ of Woody. I agree. And just before I I get into some additional comments here. I did want to say that one of the things I thought that Toy Story always did incredibly well um, in terms of just showing you the premises of what it takes to write a compelling story or a screenplay is that they always introduce you with a certain conflict, but then they do such a seamless job of introducing a secondary conflict, which is what you always want in in a good film. Right off, like right out of nowhere. So, for instance, in Toy Story 4, you see that the main conflict is that Forky is born and he just wants to be trash. But Woody, being the caring leader that he is, wants to make sure that Bonnie is happy. So, he goes through all of this stuff to make sure that Forky is present to make her happy. But I would say, once you get about, I would say, 30 minutes into the film, then he, you know, him and Forky get separated from the group and he finds a old antique thrift store with Bonnie's lamp showing um, from the beginning of the film. And then it immediately, it seamlessly pivots to, okay, now Woody is thinking about himself and finally being a little bit selfish. And I can already see the story's going to go towards him wanting to reunite with an old flame um, because he has regrets about it. So it just did a, a really beautiful job of seamlessly creating, you know, merging that first conflict with the second one before the climax of the film, obviously. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, they had some pretty interesting layers. And I think at some point in the, in the movie, I kept thinking they're going to move on from this antique shop, but they kept coming back to it. So I found that like a little bit annoying. But then when I learned what they were really going to do here um, wasn't really a side mission at all. This this was the story. And I just thought it was so interesting how they resolved the conflict that the new character Gabby Gabby had in that she defines she would be worthy of being played with if her voice box is fixed. That's the definition of what she thinks will work out in her favor. Woody does not want to give up his voice box um, to help who seemingly seemed to be a hauntingly terrifying character, Gabby Gabby. But... It was interesting because I feel like Woody was pretty much coerced into that resolution in that she had Forky 
he had the voice box and she was going to force her dummies to take it out of him. But she did a really villainous move of utilizing the information she extracted from Forky to her advantage to. But it, it wasn't even that insincere, like even though she used it for selfish reasons, she had points in everything she said. It was a, a villain given a monologue that actually made sense. And she was saying how she was explaining Woody's privilege. You know, she wants what he had. She probably can't get it if she's seen as broken and she can go on those adventures even for one day um, like Woody did for most of his existence if she has a voice box. So I feel like Woody was kind of coerced into doing that, but he also realized she's not wrong. He did live a privileged life. He did have all those years of happiness and she wants a taste of that. And they did the what seems to be like a horrific surgery of removing a voice box and putting it into another toy but they they did that for gabby's resolution and didn't even Woody, work Woody Kid woke, didn't even want him what he woke up in a bathtub with his kidney missing essentially um i don't even know how that works like i don't know how the toy anatomy works because i don't think they like put him under or anything he just kind of like passed out arbitrarily um i don't know if he feels pain that all gets really weird <laughs> It does, because they show his head getting flattened out early or later on in the film, and it doesn't bother him. So I definitely don't think the toys feel pain, at least how we conceive it or perceive it. But, yeah, it was, uh, it was, I mean, and most kids won't pick up on that. But as soon as I overheard Gabby Gabby going like, ooh, your voice box is similar to mine. Like, oh, man, getting super rapey vibes from, uh, from this children's movie here. It's kind of strange. Uh, get out of there, Woody. Get out of there right now. Woody did not uh, so yeah, it was a uh, box exchange at first. But, uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but like you said, Gabby Gabby was a, a pretty compelling villain because she just had a very logical approach to everything um, that Woody was trying to avoid. She was like, yep, you had the good life. So why wouldn't you let me have a taste of that anyways? And he was just like, I can't disagree with you. Yeah, you're right. I, I totally did. So. Here, take this voice box thing. But one thing I did enjoy was the secondary message to that, which was uh, sometimes we struggle with the idea of uh, body shaming ourselves or imperfections that we have that we beat ourselves up over. Um, And it showed at the end there that it didn't matter anyways, because even though she had the voice box, it didn't attract the girl that she wanted to attract. Um, So it was all a moot point anyways. But... It had it had that message of you're good enough the way you are, you know. Again, going back to relationships, you're good enough the way you are, and there is someone who's a perfect match for you out there. You just have to keep putting yourself in the position to grow and explore, and eventually, you know, you'll find that. You just have to you have to keep you have to keep going. You can't stay stagnant. You can't stay in the same spot. You got to keep moving forward. Yeah, exactly. And there's also a sense of. Like your purpose, even if you have defined what your purpose should be, I'm going to be with this particular person. I'm going to do this particular thing. If that doesn't work out, yeah, it's initially devastating, but there is always something else. And Gabby Gabby found that where, you know, she was literally dreaming from the storybook she was reading of being with this child who represented what should be um, her new life playing with this child. But she realized 
that it's not about that ideal situation. Her purpose turned out to be to help this scared, lost little child at a carnival. And being there for that child was her new purpose. She never knew would have even existed if she just held on to her, her initial goal. So it was great. You know, people have their purposes and you learn that those don't always work out. But there's always something else. And sometimes that something else is something even better. I love that. Exactly. It's not always it's not always what we want, but it turns out sometimes it's better than what we wanted. So it, it, it really dealt with I mean that's that's one thing I really liked about Toy Story Four, uh, is that it dealt with so many themes uh pretty pretty well and it was able to intertwine them into a very coherent and reasonable story that I never felt like they were just jumping from conflict to conflict. Everything just seemed like it fused very well. Which, you know, resembles real life, right? Because life for us is not always so straightforward. There's never just one or two conflicts. There's multiple things going on when we're growing as people. So, yeah, they did they, they did fantastic. But I do want to get into the two plushies now. Because oh, yeah. this is the dark humor portion of this podcast. You can't mention that without Key and Peele's, you know, Ducky and uh, whatever the rabbit's name was. Bunny. They, they were, oh man, they did something that... I just never thought Toy Story would show because it's so taboo. Although they kind of showed it in the first one when they get revenge on Sid. Yeah, for, they did. Yeah, the Toys yeah. attacked a uh, child in the first movie. Right. But it was great because they did it in such a comedic way. They just showed the old lady. There is an old lady who's the owner of the uh, antique shop where Gabby Gabby is and the other toys. And they need to get a key from her because Gabby Gabby, again, like we mentioned, is holding Forky prisoner. So Bonnie, who bumps into Woody um, earlier in the film, she agrees to help him recover Forky. And they go and they need the key from the old lady in order to get in the cupboard where Gabby Gabby is holding Forky. And the two stuffed animals who are introduced uh, from a carnival game that Buzz Lightyear gets stuck on, they are just chasing Buzz because they believe he took their spot on the uh, prize counter uh, and decrease their chances of you know getting a, a loving kid to play with them. So they they like they have a, they have a beef with Buzz, and they chase him down, and they eventually meet up with Woody and the gang. And they're just going through ideas of how on earth are we going to get this key from the old lady? And the Toy Story movie doesn't even really show uh, the them like going through scenarios. They're just like we have an idea, and then all of a sudden you see the old lady walking by the two of them. And she's like, oh, aren't you cute? And then all of a sudden, they just attack her, and she's screaming <laughs> at the top of her lungs. And I I laughed so hard because I was not expecting that. There was no indicator that that was going to happen. And then all of a sudden, it flashes back to the two stuffed animals talking about it with Buzz. And they're like, so what do you think of that plan? And he's like, no, 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 no. We can't do that. That's a terrible plan. They're like, okay, well, then how about this one? And then they show, like, two other scenarios uh, with the last one being something they call the the plush rush, and it's just this long drawn out drawn out sequence of the old lady living her going throughout her day, and then all of a sudden, she falls asleep, and then they creepily appear above her, and then you just hear her screaming. They're like, "Yeah, that's how we'll get the key," and they're just like, "Yeah, that's a terrible idea. We can't do that, guys. I'm sorry." And they're like, "Well, I don't hear you guys coming up with anything better. We just gave you three solid ideas, but." That sequence was probably my favorite in the entire film. Just because it was so dark. 
Yeah, it was very so, funny. It was so violent. Yeah. Uh, also, and, it was it was like it felt off brand of Toy Story humor. A lot of a lot of that humor, it, it it stems from the characters, but the characters aren't that wild as the uh, bunny and duck character was. And exactly, they never do that kind of newish age comedy of like skits and vignettes thrown in the middle of a, of a story. So it was totally unexpected. Um. But yeah, I loved it. I think that was a great addition to uh, what what's already a pretty funny series. Toy Story in general does pretty well with their their comedy writing there. Yeah, definitely a good bit. Um, also, like the Forky stuff was entirely hilarious. Just Woody trying to keep him out of becoming trash again, and even little things like Tony Hale as Forky just saying "bo bo 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 bo." I love that. It's it's oh yeah 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 yeah. It's like in a in a story that's wrapped in existential crises, defining your purpose and leaving your loved ones in the pursuit of a new version of happiness. Still a pretty funny movie. <laughs> really enjoyed it. Absolutely. And that's that that's you going back to the the plushies, that's Key and Peel's unique contribution. That's totally their humor. That entire that entire sequence was totally just all them and it makes it even better because we recently saw Jordan Peel with Get Out and Us, which are horror films. Um, you could tell he has that like dark sense of humor to his writing, uh, and, it, and it definitely shows. Yeah. Also, they're not too far off. Like we mentioned, toys interfere with interfere with the real world constantly. Like they literally attacked Sid, and I can imagine watching the the through line of Sid's story after that, and him trying to explain that he was been attacked by toys, and him going to like therapy, trying to convince him that never happened, and then he became like a garbage man in Toy Story Three. Like, I, I'm sure that fucked him up, but um, speaking of characters being interfered with with toys, that poor dad. That poor dad had no idea what was <laughs> happening to his RV. These toys were just fucked. Like, one toy was saying, hey, let's we can send him to jail as a way to get the RV to stay where it needs to be. And they almost did that. They almost sent that man to jail <laughs> driving through a carnival. That man was just having a bad day. <laughs> He's just trying to be a good dad, and they were just flattening his tire. Yeah. Trying to get him arrested with the cops. He even got pulled over by the cop at the end, which is funny. Yep. Yeah. Like, they almost fucked up his life. <laughs> and that toy's like, oh, my God, we're totally going to send that dad to jail. Like, it just, like, begs the question of, like, a bunch of fan fiction of, like, what have toys have, what have they actually significantly influenced in the real world? You know? Like, toys are pretty fucked up. Attacking kids. I'm telling you, man. Sending fathers There's- to jail almost. There's just too many comparisons with child's play. There's just too many. Yeah. There's just that crossover is going to happen. Some fan fiction is going to happen where those two uh, those two face off. It'd be to- it'd be Woody versus Chucky. <laughs> I mean, I I think my favorite part of Child's Play and Toy Story coming out on the same date are the shade promos. Child's Play through the Toy Story. Oh yeah, yeah. Those yeah. are great posters of just like Chucky. Like this, referencing he killed Woody or Buzz and stuff like that. That was uh, that was pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah. Toy Story Five. So right there. let. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, what would you say? I know we mentioned we would have liked to have seen more Buzz. What we did get out of Buzz? How did you? How did you enjoy how he, kind of dealt with the whole what's consciousness? Because that really just kind of blew his mind in the movie. When Woody was just saying, hey, you know, um, 
we need to help out Bonnie. It's just part of my, you know, it's part of who I am. It's part of my consciousness. And he just looks at him like, what is that? I've never even given that a moment's thought that there's this thing to me that I can't see that pretty much defines who I am. Um, So, yeah, like, how did you feel about that throughout the film? Did you think they did a good job of tackling that subject with Buzz? Or do you think that they could have given it more screen time? Oh, they did not do a good job exploring consciousness. I don't think they they were they were not interested in that thematic that has brought it up literally as a gag for Buzz to take literally. That's all they did with it. Buzz just took it literally, heard the voice inside him say to do things. It happened to work out. And that was funny. I enjoyed that bit of Buzz using what he thinks is his consciousness to make his decisions. And they just happened to work out um, for better or worse. They were not interested in actually exploring what it meant to actually hear the voice inside of you and figure out what it meant from Buzz's perspective to then follow through with what it's telling you to do. Um, They didn't really explicitly go through that well with Buzz, but I do think overall Buzz did realize um, that his opinion on what he should go is the right thing to do. I think that did stem from, you know, the voice inside of him, but they didn't give Buzz that much of media roles uh media roles like they did with gabby gabby or woody or even bo peep who i think had a great like lore and background of being a toy a lost toy and loving that shit you know it was like an alternative lifestyle that woody thought was like this like taboo thing but she embraced it and she had a pretty good storyline here buzz didn't they used him mostly as a gag and as a supporting character and when I think about what the purpose of Toy Story is, it isn't about Buzz's journey. It's about Woody's. Um, I'm okay that they didn't have Buzz be one of the characters we really explore consciousness with in Toy Story because um, they didn't do that. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. And like I said, um, I agree with you that this was Woody-centric, this movie for sure. Um, I would have appreciated more Buzz Lightyear, but... They already had a pretty big cast to deal with anyways in terms of new characters and new plots. So I, I, I can see why he was just ancillary yeah. for the most part. Um, but one character we haven't really gone into yet that we need to, because he was hyped up pretty hard and it is the year of Keanu Reeves, um, was Duke Kaboom. I know everybody was really excited for his character to be introduced. Uh, for me, the plushies are the MVP of the film, but Duke Kaboom was, was pretty prevalent. Uh, what what did you think of his character and how he was introduced and, and where it went? He, he was fine. I love Keanu. Um, Duke Kaboom was fine. He had his little origin story. It was funny. He does weird po- poses like the Ginyu Force. Um, they gave him a little, you know, he failed his jump, so he failed his kid, but he got redemption in the end by making that. What was it? really an epic jump, for sure. Um, but he... Like, I don't think he was really the top five characters in the movie. You know, that definitely goes to Woody and Bo Peep and the plushies and Gabby Gabby um, and Forky. Um, I don't really think Kaboom was prevalent enough to really feed into the hype, but he was fine. I didn't dislike him at all. I thought he was funny when he was there and um, he was a fine addition. But uh, I think it was more of the even the idea of Keanu existing in Toy Story was what the hype was about versus Duke Kaboom is amazing. It's more like Keanu is amazing. Everything he touches is amazing. Therefore, I love Duke Kaboom. But he was fine. 
What do you think about him? I would say mostly true. I really hated that uh, hide-and-seek movie Keanu Reeves was a part of. That was terrible. But I did like Duke Boom's character. I thought it was really funny how he was supposed to be like a Canadian evil Knievel. Uh, and they showed his flashback with his uh, his previous kid. I think his name is Rashad. Was it Rashar? Yeah, Something remember. like that. But he, uh, he, in his eyes, he was getting ready to do an epic jump. And then he just kind of crashes into the floor because he's a toy. Uh, so he, he kind of went, he kind of in a smaller version, went through what Buzz Lightyear went through in the first film of trying to uh, become accustomed to how he could perform in the real world versus, you know, in his mind, him jumping over mountains and rings of fire and stuff like that. Yeah. But it gave him his redemption moment. I thought he was a cool character for sure. Um, but yeah, like you said, it was, uh, it wasn't anything out of this world for me. Like he wasn't the most impactful character by far. Um, and I think another character that I thought was cool, but didn't really play that much of a role was, uh, I believe the name was, uh, Giggle McDimples, that little sheriff that was Bo Peep's friend. Oh yeah. Um, she, yeah. Her, she was yeah. fine. You know? Yeah. Yeah. She was there. Well, what was funny. So what I'm saying is from now on, you can call me Giggle McDimples. It's, it's a great name. The best name ever. It's, it's yeah. pretty top notch. Um. That's it, people. <laughs> For me, I'm just now forever giggle McDimples. Yeah, there it is. That's my name. Um, yeah, she was fine. Um, I think definitely a highlight was Bo Peep. I love the pretty much like new and improved Bo Peep um, story they gave her. She was, was badass. Yeah, she was like just oh, great, you know. She's like a captain of the new world trying to make sure lost toys find their place. And she totally accepted that, you know, the lost toys are really the majority of, of toys are the ones who are lost. And her being part of that world doesn't mean she's any less than a privileged home having toys like Woody and friends. Like, no, she can embrace that world and still do good. She can help toys who want a home find a home. If they don't, they can serve a new purpose. She, yeah, she is the, the captain of that lost toy world. And I love that Woody became a part of that, too. Yeah, she was she was by far my favorite character because she she pretty seamlessly transitioned into I don't have a fam like I don't have a child anymore. What am I gonna do? She's like, no man, I got this. I'm just gonna live my life. I'm gonna be this badass uh, toy character that escapes this antique shop, finds a way to walk amongst humans by making this pseudo skunk like race car thing, which was really funny. Uh, and I'm going to start making friends and like being a liberator, so to speak. Yeah, she was awesome. Bo Peep is probably my new favorite Toy Story character. She was, she was badass. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, this movie proved that even if as fans, we think the story is concluded, you know, talented writers and story makers can still find new, exciting things to talk about. So, Theoretically, do you think a Toy Story 5 is something you might want to see? Do you think it's it should exist at some point? I think it's like you said. I thought after the third one, I was like, there's no way that they could ever make another movie. This is too perfect. And then they did it and it was great. So I've, I've you know, I hate to say this because I don't think we should ever assume anything. But Disney's just pulling out all the stops lately, man. Like I can't I, I haven't been disappointed by anything Disney in a long time. Uh, you know, I thought, hey, how is the Marvel Universe going to work? And that turned out beautifully. Uh, same with Toy Story 4. So uh, if they do make a fifth one, 
I'm I'm just going to assume the best because honestly their track record's beginning to speak for itself. And of course, Toy Story is the golden child of Pixar. It was the first Pixar film, at least full-length film from mm-hmm. what I remember. And it's like I it, it's just held to such a high standard that they're never going to put out a movie uh for it if it's not if they don't see it as a one quality. So if they do make a fifth one, I, I'm just gonna have to assume here that it's it's gonna be it's gonna be worth the watch. What about you? Yeah, totally with you. Um, at this point, they've convinced me that they're not gonna do any wrong with Toy Story. They've had a lot of short things here and there. They had like a Halloween special and some short videos, like uh, like Party Source Rex. They you know they have a a Forky mini series coming out on Disney Plus, I believe next year. Um, those one-offs are still funny, but anytime they put their mind to a full movie, they just knock it out of the park. Um, let's see. Yeah, the first Toy Story came out in 95, the second one in 99. So four years after the first one. And then they took 11 years to make the third one and then nine years to make the fourth one. So they take their time. It's not like how I perceived the Cars series where they was like, all right, kids love this because it's cars and they're talking and it's action. Go keep turning them out. They take a lot of time for this series. So unless I hear that they're coming out with one like next year, which is pretty much impossible for Pixar's production schedule, um, I don't think they're going to do any wrong. Toy Story 5, I can totally see that being a thing where maybe Buzz and Jesse take more of the limelight and they try to figure out what to do as the new leaders. And maybe we explore the lost world with toys or with uh, Woody's and what he does with the new toys with Bo Peep. There's a lot they could do. They introduced a pretty big world in Lost Toys. They get a spinoff series. They can do a lot with this, but I think whatever they do next, um, I'm definitely I'm definitely down for it. Yeah, and I just really love how smart Disney's being, how methodical they're being with the way they're making their movies now, where they're leaving it open for Disney Plus to start making shows out of it, which is why I'm really excited, actually, because I'm beginning to really have high hopes that Every Disney Plus show, not only will it be canon, they're going to they're going to have some pretty compelling stories to tell because they've connected them so well with the films. And then they'll be easily able to do what Netflix does now with them funding their own movies that don't even need a theatrical release. They can just be released on their streaming service as a feature and it will just connect with whatever film, uh, whatever film series it is uh, pretty easily. So yeah, I'm I'm beginning to see Disney Plus as a pretty big contender. At first, I was I was a little skeptical. I'm not a big fan of streaming, like having too many streaming services. Uh, but I think Disney Plus is going to be good. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of really good content on Disney Plus. Yeah, I agree. Um, I totally take a, one of those plushy spinoff series on Disney Plus. You know, see what a uh, Ducky and Bunny are doing on a day to day. That'd be fun. Them hanging yeah. out with Duke Boons. Um, shooting the shit now terrorizing old people now having now having seen toy story 4 um and then you know they have having toy story 1 through 3 uh what do you think uh like i know you said the third was pretty much your favorite but where would you rank the other ones if if toy story 3 is number one yeah it's it's something i'm struggling with which you know out of all the problems in today's world it's not that bad of a problem to have I think all of these movies are technically great. Like, I think they all fall in the realm of what I consider a great film. Um, I think Toy Story 2 doesn't get enough love, but they deal with 
PTSD of toys. And that's a pretty wild concept to know that maybe toys don't feel physical pain, but they feel emotional pain. And that can live with them forever since they're toys and we don't know them to have a finite lifespan. That's a crazy concept that they explore pretty well in Toy Story 2. Um, I think the order I would rank these Toy Story movies is Toy Story 3 as number one, Toy Story as number two, Toy Story 2 as number three, Toy Story 4 as number four. So I would put this one technically at the bottom of the other ones, but that is just a master class of movies. That's really hard to rank. I've thought a lot about that, but... I I love the send-off of this movie. I extremely love the send-off in Toy Story 3. I love the new concepts they introduce in terms of the lore of Woody, what it means to have PTSD as a as a toy, and how can you recover from that. And, of course, the first Toy Story is just great, you know. Toys get into shenanigans. Um, we get the first existential crisis with Buzz, and then also learning... Oh, what if you're a bad kid? What happens to those toys? Oh, they become Frankenstein monsters, but they're not bad. They just look terrible. And, you know, you shouldn't do wrong things with your toys. That simple, like that first movie is just in my heart forever. But yeah, I think this one falls on the bottom of the list, on the list, but that's just inherent to the quality of the previous films. That's fair. Um, I know I mentioned that four is actually my favorite. That could be recency biased. I'll have to revisit the the first three again. Sure. Uh, but if I had to rank them now, I would say Toy Story 4 is my favorite, 3 is my second favorite, 1 is my third favorite, and then the second one, my least favorite. Um, but like you said, it's tough. They're, they're both very unique films. Uh, they all stand on their own pretty well. So, yeah. I mean, that's just really arbitrary. Uh, either way, Toy Story is a fantastic franchise. And I really love those post credit scenes, actually, at the end of everything, where... They had several of them. I think my favorite one was where uh, Forky is introduced to yeah, it's like knife uh, or the knife, yeah. <laughs> the knife character, which is funny because I went to go see it with my my little sister, and she just told me out of nowhere. She was like, "Hey, Alex, uh, I thought it was ironic that it was a knife." I'm like, "Why?" Because she they can just call her knifey wifey. I was like, <laughs> "Oh my goodness, nice. that's perfect." I can't. There that's that's the name for that character forever in my head. There it is, is knifey wifey, <laughs> uh, which sounds so wrong. But also so right. That sounds um, right to me. Um, yeah. So yeah, I I, I really like those post credit scenes as well. Them just rescuing toys because they show you what what each side is up to. Woody is off rescuing toys with Bo Peep and building a good relationship with her. And then the other toys are just doing their Bonnie thing and and dealing with uh, other other crises like another toy being created. And they leave you with such a good question at the end too, where the knife to- the knifey wifey is just like what what is what is why am i alive and or how am i alive and then forky just says i have no idea (laughs) which is great because that could be something they explore in the next film is what are the rules of what it takes to make a toy be alive like what is it like are there criteria to that uh what what are the rules here yeah and forky's going to answer a lot of those questions in forky ask a question which is that Disney Plus show. Um, oh, okay. Which All right. I expect it not to have the answers. It'll be Tony Hale doing a good job at being totally ignorant on any of the rules that exist. Because I don't know the rules of Toy Story either, right? Like, 
why was that rat car that Bo Peep made not a sentient being, but, you know, RC is? And it seems to be the connection of, like, a kid needs to love it. Um, but, I, like, does that transfer to electronic toys? Like, can video games have some kind of weird sentient existence? Can your phone have that? Kids love that shit it's these true. days. I want to see the next... I actually expected this movie to kind of tackle it, but there are new age, quote-unquote, toys and I don't know what that means for Toy Story. Like, can the Crash Bandicoot video game be alive, even though it's, you know, just a digital information thing? I don't know. Yeah. Try to write and your name on that. Just <laughs> and just a closing thought for me, uh, having, you know, meditated on it a little bit. Uh, Woody was good to leave. He was in a really toxic relationship with Bonnie. I, I That's right. I said it. He was. She was uh locking. He was throwing him in a closet like uh like Annie did to uh to Chucky in in Child's Play. <laughs> he was uh he was not getting any attention. She even took his badge, man. She took his badge and she put it on someone else. He was uh he was better off leaving. Bonnie was being a bitch. Just saying. Well, I think it's weird because toys have like this servitude purpose when you really think about it. Like they exist only for the child's enjoyment. So it's weird for them to be, yeah, yeah. They're like essentially enslaved to the whims of the child. If the if the child says to the closet you go, to the closet you stay. And if they say you're number one now, hey, you're number one now. It like the child represents this weird government thing of like the toys all serve the purpose, and the purpose is me. Um, and of course you have good kids like Bonnie and Andy, but still it's like, and they don't know it. The, the fucked up thing is that the kids don't even know the toys have sentience. So they can't d- deal with the whole, Oh my God. Like, do you guys want to do other stuff? You don't want to just have to sit in my closet all day. They're ignorant to the fact of their, that their godliness has created all of these beings who just want to love them and they know not of it. So it's a, it's a weird relationship. You know, kids don't know they're harming toys and toys don't know always that they can do other things. It's fucked up. Can you imagine the chaos that would ensue if people found out that toys were sentient? That would just be that would I I would like that would blow my mind to see how that would work in a film. Yeah. Just how humanity deals with that truth of oh my goodness, we've created sentient things and they've been watching us this whole time. I've done some pretty screwed up things and my toys were watching me, man. That's creepy. Man. <laughs> Um. Yeah, that would be that would be pretty interesting, actually. Yeah, I mean, I would, I would, I, I enjoyed love that to movie. Explore that idea. I, I enjoyed the the idea of that movie. Um, it kind of reminds me of Small Soldiers, that movie that came out, I think, in the nineties. Oh yeah, yeah. Where those yeah, yeah. toys again, you know, it's toys, but you know, there were good toys, bad toys. The bad toys were attacking the humans, and the good toys were actually monstrous, but they're helping out. Something like that would probably happen. Well, you would just start trying to weaponize toys in some way. Like you'll just have spies across the world. There's new espionage tactics with toys. Um, it'd be wild. It's a film Pixar will never make, but pretty wild concept. <laughs> Watch the next year. Disney plus adult comes out. All the adult topics are banned into Disney you know, on the Disney streaming service. <laughs> kind of like what FX did. I think FX did like FX. It was FX something. And then they, they started putting out more mature content for, for older audiences. Um, I wouldn't put it past Disney to try something like that. Disney I, can do whatever it wants at this point. They can. They they won't. If, at the very least, it will not say Disney on whatever brand that thing is. Because, you know, they bought out Fox and everyone else. So 
they could just label it under like some subsidiary company. Um, Disney After Dark. <laughs> don't want to watch that. I don't know what the fuck that is. Um, I mean, I, I just imagine like someone writing fan fiction of toys being the cause of like the Kennedy assassination and shit. There's all these conspiracy theories that are too fucked up to actually dive into with toys in this IP. Like, yeah, toys were the cause of everything. Like, the Titanic sunk right. because a toy did it. Yep. We, we can but, write uh, that. We'll, other, we'll write that fan fiction. Yeah, we got this. Yeah, for sure. Um, are there any closing thoughts you had on uh, on Toy Story as a as just a film? Um, Toy Story 4 is great, as were all of the previous installments. Um, they did a good job at tackling familiar themes, which theoretically would seem tiring, but they just add new layers to it in different ways to execute the meaning of purpose and happiness. They do a great job. I'm on board with a Toy Story 5 whenever they deem it worthy to even conceit of that idea. Uh, but great franchise. Happy this one exists. And yeah, definitely one of my favorite movies of 2019. How about you? Uh, I would say if they do a sequel, I would like if to tackle the whole how technology replaces physical toys nowadays. Mm-hmm. So it could be like the conflict of toys becoming obsolete and having to deal with that fact because electronic devices are more prevalent. Um, so that would be actually pretty interesting to see. Uh, maybe even if just an episode of the actual TV show. Uh, but other than that, I just have one thing to say to you and the rest of the audience, man. You've got a friend in me too. <laughs> You've got a friend in me. That's a beautiful rendition of that. Yep. Thank you, man. <laughs> and uh, that's that's pretty much it for me. Thank you, everyone else, for uh, for being here on this four-part uh, journey with us. I'm pretty sure um, we're not the only ones, man. Uh, Toy Story is so generational. Tons of people who saw the first one probably have kids and families at this point and saw it with them. And that's that's what makes it that's what makes a great franchise when. Yeah. multiple generations can connect over it so yeah absolutely it was, it i think good. it's like the only franchise me and my mom have seen all of and we saw those last one together and you know hit us the same way probably differently but the emotional impact of like family friends what purpose means what it means to be connected with people like yeah even with me and my mother like that it hits us both it and i'm sure with new kids who are like going to school in kindergarten i'm sure they all related to bonnie's moment of being scared and just wanting a friend um this movie is yeah it it knows no boundaries in terms of who it can connect to and that's a beautiful thing to have created that so good job pixar everyone involved and that'll do it for our review of toy story 4 um tune in next time where i believe we'll be reviewing another childhood favorite spider-man far from home yeah sorry keep going that's fine um not sorry but yeah, we're moving Spider-Man. Pretty excited about that one. And feel free to reach out to us at aftertheactpodcast at gmail.com. Find more of our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play Music, wherever you download podcasts. And to infinity and beyond, everyone. Join us, guys. Be part of our family. Be part of our awesome toy family. 